Welcome to Bitverse Byte, a weekly podcast about the web industry, tools and techniques upcoming and in use today. My name is Adam Listek, a web developer from Northern California and Central Illinois. If you'd like to help support this show, please tap the link in the episode's description if using the Anchor application, or visit anchor.fm slash bit-v-byte to become a monthly supporter. So to start us off, I want to cover some news, and this week there is a lot of it. The first very important one is that the EU has approved the copyright directive. This has been approved through committee, so the larger assembly still has to vote to approve this, which could come as early as early 2019 or so. And even after it's been approved, all of the member EU states have to adopt it in their own ways. It's more of a framework, and even with that, it won't go into effect till 2020. The problem as it stands today is that two of the articles in there are particularly problematic. Article 11 is has been dubbed the link tax, and Article 13, the upload filter, by critics, could change the behavior of sites dramatically on the internet. Due to the very ambiguous wording of Article 11, it's kind of unclear what constitutes a copyright-protected link. Many news aggregators would fall prey to this, especially since we don't know how many or what kind of wording would make them liable. And secondly, this upload filter means that quote-unquote large, though it's not entirely defined what size, companies would have to proactively scan and verify that no uploaded content is added to their platform. This is an incredible and very difficult problem to solve as evidenced by the myriad of issues that, say, content ideas had in YouTube, for example. So there is still time to try and change this law. So if you're in the EU and able to, you know, vote for your representatives and make your voice heard, contact them and and let them know how this could affect you and why you think this may or may not be a good idea. Moving down, Google Photos has released officially to general use their API. So this lets you create a number of interactions and integrations directly with the Google Photo library. There are probably a ton of applications for this, especially to pull from the library directly from media that applications may use if it's authenticated with Google or other areas, especially to use some of their machine learning type tools, but check it out. Google Inbox, which has been a kind of experimental version of Gmail, is officially shutting down after four years, or rather, support will be ending in March 2019. I'm not 100% sure what that actually means, but I'm trying to find out. But I've used it personally ever since it came out because it gave me that much cleaner and easier to use an experience than Gmail did. So going back to Gmail even now after the relatively recent redesign, it still feels like a very dated and clunky experience. I know a lot of people love it and it's far better than it was, but I've just gotten used to how Inbox works. And I've I've used, you know, the way I use Inbox, it's just been so much quicker and easier to use those kind of things. But the only two features I'm really hoping for you know, in Gmail that Google Unbox does really well are these bundles and how it displays attachments. Google has said that bundles will eventually come for Gmail, but it's kind of unclear when. Uh, so I am certainly going to miss Inbox. It was a fantastic email client. I thought they did a really good job on it, and I was really hoping that a lot of those features, especially kind of the layout and look and feel, 
was going to kind of make its way over to Gmail, but it doesn't look like that might be entirely the case. So it's been a long while since I've looked at this, but paint.net has uh, released a 4.1 update. Uh, it popped up on my radar, and it was something I just kind of wanted to make note of because I used to use paint.net a long time ago in lieu of Photoshop, if only because Photoshop is very expensive. And if you need an uh, alternative, it's a nice little tool that does most of the things you would need to, you know, in, in a free package. Uh, so they've been keeping it up to date, but it's a larger 4.1 release that added a lot of new features, and notably the GPU acceleration, which should really make everything work that much quicker. So if you need that Photoshop alternative, check it out. Some other news, the Tor browser has you know always been based on Firefox and so they've now released 8.0 and it's finally been updated to use the new Firefox 60 ESR which is that extended support release but and it's primarily though it's updating it to use the new quantum rendering engine among many other smaller improvements I haven't used Tor in a very long time but I keep up to date on its developments just because I think it's a fascinating tool and ecosystem so for those that do use that, it may be of interest, and uh, check it out. So Cloudflare Workers uh, has now released their cache API into beta. So what Cloudflare Workers are, and I've talked about this before, it's a JavaScript rendering engine, uh, but running at the edge of Cloudflare's network. So it will intercept and modify any of the requests coming from a browser or somewhere to your uh, server so you can kind of deal with them in flight and make something you know change it up so they now have a cache API that they can interact with so what this means is that you can programmatically store retrieve and evict from cache the responses and their modified responses before they even hit your origin so there's a lot of power in this I kind of think of it like varnish but in JavaScript and at the edge so really cool. I can't wait to try this out. Uh, Cloudflare Workers, I've only scratched the surface and what I can do with it. I, it's an amazing tool, and for the price, it's pretty, pretty darn good. And then finally, in my last bit of news, because there's been so much, but PowerShell Core 6.1 has been released. So this is a big release. Um, you know, it's probably the biggest since 6.0, which was PowerShell Core itself coming out. And it has faster performance, better Windows compatibility, some web commandlet improvements, and new markdown commandlets. And there's a ton of other little stuff, but it's really a, a big uh, polishing release with a bunch of uh, compatibility updates. Check it out. It's getting even better, especially as you move to PowerShell Core and using its cross-platform abilities. It's amazing to use and excellent, so check it out and let me know what you think. So there's two little links and resources, so, you know, kind of, I guess, goes along with the news a bit and, you know, there, but uh, two, two guides I found uh, CSS-related this week. Um, there's a complete guide to CSS scroll snap. Uh, this is done by uh, on newinweb.com, but what it is is now that CSS scroll snap is coming uh, out with better support, notably in the recent Chrome browser release, it's worthwhile to investigate how you might start to use this. It's a really good write-up on how to use it and what you can actually do with it and how it really enhances the user experience. 
there's a empty and blank CSS pseudo properties. I wasn't actually too aware of these. Um, I didn't really heard or had use of them before, but they're pretty cool. Empty will allow you to target elements containing no content and no spaces, while blank will look for just empty elements, but count spaces as empty. The downside is that blank is not widely supported yet, but these are pretty unique elements, some pretty different possible use cases to look at. So check it out. You might come up with a few things uh, that are pretty cool, but all these links are going to be in the description. So finally, I wanted to talk about a uh, learning platform called TechSnips. So over time, I've used a lot of different training platforms, mostly just to further my knowledge in specific areas I kind of felt I was lacking in. Usually the sites or courses are fairly expensive, at least to the point where I was at in my life, and I get it. Content like that is not cheap to produce. But often when starting out or learning something, it, it can be really a barrier to getting started. So other times, after having gone through a long course, I felt that practical examples that I need to do in the normal course of my job weren't really being demonstrated. So this led me to seek out some other training and tutorial options out there. So on Twitter, I follow Adam Bertram, who is a Microsoft MVP and very knowledgeable in PowerShell. So these are things that uh, you know PowerShell use very often, so I followed him and kind of saw what things content he was producing. And if you use the language and browser on the web, you'll no doubt have run into his articles at some point. So he decided to start this company called TechSnips, and recently I've been starting to kind of participate in a bit. So it is billed as an IT career development platform, but what really appealed to me was the idea of these short, useful videos that were focused on this relevant content. Many of the training platforms or content platforms I've used in the past have good courses, but they are either far more involved than I was looking for, or I don't have as much relevant type of technical content that would like help me immediately apply that to my day-to-day -day work. Plus, I don't always have the time to sit down and watch an hour-long course. And more to the point, usually I'm looking for a how-to in something I may not have done before or haven't done this one small aspect before. So this is where the TechSnips type of content has become very useful. It's short, to-the-point videos that demonstrate exactly what I'm looking for. So with everything I've done in my career technically, I was interested in participating as a contributor. Granted, I only have one published SNP so far, but just doing that alone helped me kind of learn a lot about producing that type of content and what I could personally share back to folks. So although the site may still be pretty small to begin with as a new startup, if you are in the technical field and have interest in producing short tutorial videos that can really help others in their work, you should check it out. Additionally, if you are looking for a great resource to learn specific tasks in a short to the point format, head on over and see what's available. And what I'm really starting to like is how it's a great community of like-minded IT individuals that are creating content for others as much as themselves. This leads to really useful snippets that end up benefiting IT folks looking to further their knowledge and career. I'm very excited to see where this leads and what kind of content can be created. You know, right now it is very Microsoft heavy and I'm just starting to produce some Linux content myself, but I've just been dipping my toes in personally. If you have content that you're interested in sharing and don't want to produce that hour-long epic videos that other sites might be looking for, well, TechSnips might be a great place to look. It's growing pretty quick and already has hundreds of videos on it covering a variety of topics. So personally, 
I can't wait to create a bunch more and really see what I can give back. So ch check it out at techsnips.io and let me know what you think. So follow this podcast on Twitter at bitvbyte and Facebook at slash bitvbyte. Thank you for listening and please join us next week.